Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files. Today's guest is a very good guest, very special guest, Richard Kaufman, very successful podcaster, fellow veteran. So I'd like to introduce you to Richard. How's it going, Richard? What's up, guys? How are you doing? My name is Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is an amazing podcast. Make sure that you subscribe and leave him a comment because this show is amazing. I appreciate that a lot, and I hope you do at the same time. Hmm? Always. So, a little bit about what we're going to go over today. Just, you know, why why did you join the military? What you did in the military? Uh, your transition period out? Uh, some of the issues you had? What you might wish you would have known back when you got out of the military? Um, you know, you old-timers are always good information for us younger ones. And then how you're crushing it today. So if you want to begin, um, I mean, why did you join the military? All right. I'll give you a quick down and dirty, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, I was a full-blown alcoholic by age of 12. By age uh, 13, uh, drug addict, alcoholic. I got thrown out of school for hitting a teacher in the head with a desk. So they threw me out. So it was either jail or the military. So I joined the military at 17, uh, became, uh, stayed in for two and a half years. I got five Article 15s, two field grade Article 15s. Um, and then they threw me out for being a drug addict and alcoholic. Uh, but, you know, I got sober. We can talk about that if you want to do whatever. And I'm probably the only guy you'll ever talk about, talk to that actually got thrown out of the military for being an addict. And actually got back in the military. Wow. And um, I got in the military for a second time. Uh, wasn't oh. drinking, wasn't drugging, was still an asshole. Uh, almost got thrown out of the military for a second time because I got two more Article 15s. So that's seven. If you guys are if you guys are counting, that's seven. Uh, but be, because of what transpired on the morning of September 11th, 2001, that totally changed my life. Uh, we could talk about that. Then, uh, but, you know, I got busted again from E4 to E1. And, uh, but I, and I was due to be thrown out again. at the end of September of 2001. Uh, but after what happened, um, I begged my company commanders to keep me. And uh, my, my leadership, I begged them, actually begged them to keep me. Which they did, thank God. Within three years, I hit uh, non-commissioned officer, soldier of the year, and um, I ended my career with 23 years total. But um, I actually, I got hurt on duty where I lost 80% of my vision. I was actually backing up a Hummer, and instead of the young private hitting the brakes, he hit the gas, ran over the whole right side of my body, ran over my head. And uh, so I had an ocular stroke, 
so uh, after 23 years in the military, on Memorial Day 2012, they finally tell me, you are no longer Sergeant Kaufman. And that scared the shit out of me. And that was the day that I attempted suicide. Thank God I didn't go through with it. But that was the day that I decided that uh, I want to start giving back and I want to start helping veterans just like me struggling with PTSD, homelessness, you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, any of the isms, and also help people that are struggling getting out of the military because I was struggling when I got out. Because not did I know who I didn't know who Richard was, because as we know, when you're in the military, you're what your ID's card said you are. If you ever get pulled rank. over, you ever get pulled over, you show them your ID card. You never show your driver's license. And yep. I didn't know who, you know, for 23 years, once I got that second chance, I did everything I could to become Sergeant Kaufman. I mean, I, I volunteered for every single class. I, re, I, I reclassified three times just to get rank and just to stay ahead of the game. I was like, I was the guy that held a peepee cup too. Yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> so, but I was, so I, did I was avoided that one. So I was the guy that did everything to stay in. And now knowing that I don't know who Richard is, you know, if I'm not Sergeant Kaufman, well, who am I? And that's when I started on my, my journey of helping others. And then I had lunch with Gary Vaynerchuk and we started a podcast and, and all that other crap. So now whatever you want to talk about, we're good. I'll talk about whatever you want. So, seven Article 15s. Two field out, grades. Two field two grades. Field. And that that would end your career today, honestly. that that You wouldn't even have a choice no matter what was going on unless World War Three broke out right now. Uh, so, that's amazing. Then you come back. You know, you, what, you know what made me, you know, laid me, made me last that long is because in when I was in the rear with the gear, I was going to fuck up. I was I was the guy that always had the shitty haircut. The guy that always had the uniform looking like I slept in them. But you got me out in the field, I'm a field dog. You know, I'll stay up 24, 48, 72 hours. Want to get dirty. Want to stay up a week straight. I'm good. Let's have fun out in the field. So that saved my ass for a couple of years until I missed a four-star general's funeral detail. And that was kind of, that's when it was a wrap. So that's when they decided not to keep me. But that's what actually saved my ass because I was an amazing field soldier. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree there. That I always enjoyed the field a lot more than I did being around Garrison or the Katoman area, either deployed or field. One of those two. I, I hated being, you know, ironed and polished and all that stuff. Not that I couldn't do it. I just... I just wanted to be out there getting dirty. That's what I signed up for. I signed up to be a scout, not sitting in the rear with the gear, stuff like that. I wanted to be a scout out in the front. Not going to lie, I joined because I wanted to kill people. That's part of the reason why I joined, and that's a stupid decision. I wish I would have thought about it. You know, After realizing everything the Army has to offer, I wish I would have picked a different job. At the same time, it's like made up T7. Had a good time. Met a lot of good people. I don't know. It, it's just it's a conundrum, I guess you can say. Well, you know, once I but once I was given that fifth and sixth chance, um, you know, I would come in. I mean, I actually had for six months. 
I had to drive in from New Jersey to South Carolina to go to drill. So I would drive 14 hours to get there, do my drill, go 14 hours home. And then I'd have somebody say, you know, they live right in town. They'd be like, Sarge, I can't make it today. And I'm like, uh, no, I can't accept that. I drove 13 hours to be here. I can't accept that. But I was the guy now showing up to drill two hours early. I was the guy staying in the drill, taking two hours late, staying two hours late. I maxed out correspondence courses. So I did everything that the higher-ups were doing. I stopped hanging out with E4s, E5s. I started hanging out with 7s, 8s, colonels. I started hanging out with the brass because they knew something right that they were doing something that I wasn't doing. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, success leaves clues. So I just started hanging out with them, even though I was an E1 again. But I started hanging out with them, and the rank just started piling on. Well, that's good. So what is it? You said 9-11 happened, but is that exactly what triggered you to flip that switch to become from, I mean, let's face it, let's call it what it was, a shitbag soldier to being successful? Is that yeah. what it was? Well, where I'm sitting right now, if I go sit, stand on my front porch, I'm standing in the shadows of the Twin Towers. Mm. So I'm 10 wow. minutes from downtown Manhattan. And uh, we knew people that were in the buildings at that time. Now, picture this. I got my big screen TV, and I got all my TA-50 to the right of the TV, packing it all up because I'm about to be thrown out of the military for a second time. And here I am watching, because everything was live when it happened. It was live. And you could, you could see and hear the bodies hitting the ground. And when they pulled the bodies out of the Pentagon, and I realized, wow, I've taken my whole military career for granted. All these people loved, this, loved our country and just wanted to serve our country and come home safe. And, I, and I, I'm taking it for granted. So I literally, as I wrote in my, my best-selling book, I literally broke down on my couch and cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, give me another chance. Give me a chance to help people that can't help themselves. And, the, and I, I said on a podcast earlier today, I was not the same person at, at 9.08 that morning that I was at 9.06. Mm-hmm. My life changed in an instant. And from that, that moment on is when I started deciding I want to live to help other people instead of living the way I was living. Jeez. That's actually, I mean, I know it sucks, but at the same time, I mean, I, in a way, it saved your life, though. It helped you become a better person. Now you're reaching out to veterans now. And, you know, what 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 do you think would have happened had that not happened, though? I mean, in all honesty, I mean, what would have happened had you not just witnessed what you did on 9-11? Um, I probably wouldn't be here. I mean, like, you know, I had somebody once ask me on one of their shows. They said, you know, what did you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I never expected to live long enough to grow up. So I never had any, I never planned on living past the age of 20 because of my drug and my alcohol. So I would have probably, I'd probably be, I'd probably be dead right now. And how old are you now? I'm an old fart now. I'm 54 years old. I'm an old 
I'm an old man. How many kids you got now? I got three beautiful kids. Two, one of them is going to Coastal Carolina, go chance. My other boy is going to East Stroudsburg University come in September, go Warriors. And I got an 11-year-old daughter. So now you're now you're going to leave a legacy behind because of what happened. So there's always some good in every tragedy. So and you're definitely the good that came out of that tragedy. Unfortunately, well, you, know, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about, your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. Mm-hmm. So I, everything I do now is for legacy. So everything I do is to help. Leave it, leave it, the world a better place than when I first got here. Yeah, that's nice to hear. I'm really, I'm, I'm after just that little bit you told me, it's like, wow, I was not expecting that one bit, honestly. I like 12 years old, everything through the military, and that's actually <laughs> kind of mind blowing. Most people like you don't, don't ever succeed in life ever, ever. So. Uh, I was, you know, and I wasn't supposed to make it, um, but thank God for a, a chance meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's the one that actually got this whole podcasting going. He's the one that told me to write my book. He's so without him, without Gary V, I would not be doing what I do, and without Travis Johnson, I would not be at in the top 05 percent of all podcasts in the world because of Travis Johnson. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of baffled by your story. Just, I don't know. It, it's, it, it is amazing. Um, and I'm glad you're doing so well. I really am. So you did 23 years in what, uh, what rank did you end up at by the time you got out? E- E5 promotable, which is so, which was so good coming from an E1 demotable. You know, I I didn't get to. I was on my, I was on the track to get my six, and when I got hurt, and then they're like, "Well, it's a wrap. It's over." So I had to go as Z five. But you know, thank I always say thank God. I think that ranks were Velcro because mine kept on getting ripped off and put it on, so I didn't have to worry about getting pinned. You know, no no more blood wing blood wings. Thankfully, so that shit hurt. No thanks. Yeah. So like I said, you know, I. I I and once I became a non-commissioned officer, I took that shit to heart. I mean, I always put my guys first. I mean, I almost went to jail in in Germany for knocking out a captain because he was eating in front of my guys in the snow. But thank God, my old my old first sergeant was an old Vietnam vet, and he's like, "You shouldn't have done that." but I understand why you did that. So I didn't get in trouble. So, but you know, I've always believed in like, even now I've been out 12 years. I won't even eat before my wife eats. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just have that, you know, that non-commissioned officer, you take care of your guys first, you're worried mm-hmm. about yourself last. And that's, you know, and I think that's what made me different than a lot of NCOs. You know, a lot of people say, well, you got to respect the, you don't, you don't have to respect the person, but you're rather, well, you have to respect the rank. I rather them respect the person and then respect them. Exactly. I was a lot the same way, honestly. I always want to take care of my soldiers. I always made sure they had everything they needed before I did. Um, I and honestly, I hate when I made E7. It wasn't that much fun no more. I was never around soldiers. 
nothing but a desk jockey. It felt like even being a scout, it's just I, I miss the E6 and below was, you know, more time soldiers, make sure their well-being was good. And, you know, most of the people that joined combat arms are not most, but a good majority are not always the cream of the crop. So now, kids... this, I was 11 Bravo, 19 Kilo, <laughs> 19 Delta. I was a Delta. So, so. you know, they, they kept on offering me schools. I'm like, you, you're going to send me to school. You're going to pay me to go to school. Of course I'm going. So, you know, I think, and I think that's why they, you know, they kept me because they, Hey, this guy keeps on, I volunteered so much that they stopped asking me to volunteer for anything. Well, what, what was your last MOS? What was your last uh, one you I, did? I was a Delta. Okay, good. I'm glad you switched from the tanker because I don't know if we could be talking if you were a tanker anymore. So, tanker's stupid motto, when in doubt, kill a scout. I just, no, no thanks. So, big gun, well, no boom. Well, I, I did all three. So, <laughs> I, I kind of went, I, I went around the whole gamut, you know. So, I enjoyed being a Delta. I love being a scout. I loved it all. I loved being a soldier. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, same here. I, I miss it some days. I don't miss the running though, but I miss I miss being a soldier some days. Early retirement wasn't the best, but after having so many kids, it wasn't too bad, I guess you can say. I still get my VA and everything, full medical the rest of my life. And I don't know though. There's something about the military, the structure, the discipline, all that stuff. I kind of miss being on the outside. So Yeah. I get it. So when you got when did you find? Well, I know you got hurt, so your transition is going to be a little bit different than ninety-eight percent of service members coming out. What was your transition like, and how were how did you prepare for it, knowing that what you just gone through, you had that on top of it now? I had no preparation because all of a sudden, you know, because you now I got to say, when I was at, I was at this time, I was also working at GNC. And I was—I might have been taking some enhancing supplements, uh, so I was pretty jacked at this time. So when I got ran over, I literally just—I just shook it. I got up, shook it off, and then um, on the way down to Fort Dix is when I started losing all my vision. So I really didn't have a backup plan, and you know, so but it took me like. The first surgery did okay. I got vision back in my left eye. I'm still blind in my right eye. Um, So I really didn't have a whole lot of time to plan. And, you know, after, and after this happened, I, I really, I went to my honeymoon in, in Disney, you know, blind in one eye. And this is like literally just after this happened, I'm blind in one eye and we go on our honeymoon and knowing that, I've been clean and sober now 34 years, so I can't drink either. So we're in Disney and it's Oktoberfest and they're, and they're dropping beers on me and shit. And I'm like, this is fucking great. Well, uh, but I didn't have a chance to plan out anything until they said, well, you're now you're, you know, we're going to medically retire you. And then one day I'm out. And then I'm like, now what do I do? I'm blind. I don't have my buddies because as we know, like my friend, you know, Sergeant Nick, Nick talks about once you step off base, the military doesn't give a shit about you. The phone stops ringing. You don't have your camaraderie. You don't have your mission. You don't have a paycheck. 
and now I don't have my vision. So for me, it was really, really rough because I didn't know I had to reinvent myself and reimagine myself. But I'm noticing I've had, I think I'm almost like episode 560, that a lot of veterans that get out of the military struggle with their transitioning mm-hmm. because they, they don't know who they are. They, even, they, they could be, as, I know a, a guy that retired out of, as a sergeant major bagging groceries at a grocery store. What the fuck? Seriously? Yeah. And I know guys that have gotten out as colonels are working in a, in a, um, in a, in a, you know, driving a forklift. Because those skills, if you don't know how to translate them into the civilian sector, if you don't know how to write a proper resume where people are going to actually going to look at you and, and read your resume, Instead of a whole bunch of whole nomenclatures saying I was a 19 Delta. Well, what the hell is that? He just reminded me. Uh, I, I forgot which one it was. One of the people I interviewed, he got out. He was a Ranger back, I want to say the 90s. And they said, put that on your resume. You'll get jobs all across the United States, no matter what. Because Ranger, his first job interview, the uh, interview viewer asked him, so what park did you did you uh, serve at or something like that and he's like park yeah you got ranger on your resume so what park did you uh serve at he's like and he knew right then and there that it's like that's all that mumbo jumbo the nomenclatures the you know how we speak does not work on the outside at all because park ranger army ranger a little bit different well no, okay quite a bit different but it's like hmm but that's why I think a lot of veterans struggle because we're expecting to come out. The world's going to bend at our knee and it's not that way because we don't transition. Well, we don't, we're not good employees because when you're in the military, you work until the mission is complete. You don't work until four o'clock and go home. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we make better entrepreneurs than we do employees. Well, I mean, veterans do make, way better successful entrepreneurs than anything else. I mean, even better than civilians. So we got to drive and charisma to push ourselves and not take no for an answer until we've succeeded and are ready to yeah. kick the dirt. So, you know, and like Ben Kuhn said, you know, cause I mean, me and him, we had our, we had our differences, but we kind of made up at Mick, Mick DC in, two, in 2019. But like he said, if you don't have, if you don't have a business plan, you don't have a business. You have a hobby. And most business owners know that if you're a veteran, we know how to write an SOP. We know how to follow an SOP. And I think that's why I think we make better entrepreneurs than we do employees. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But I, I guess I never really thought about it that way. You know, we're not used to beating off at four o'clock or whatever time. You know, mission complete. Because that was one of the things. It's like, let's get our, let's get our shit done in the morning. And I was at section sergeant or platoon sergeant that's like hey we got nothing else go away go hide basically but out here it's like 8 10 12 16 hour days and it's just like you can't go home till that time and it's just like it feels weird and it feels different i guess you can say and yeah yeah. i don't know i just i guess i really thought about that so but Some good thinking, honestly. Um, So how long, I know you had the injury. 
How long did you, what was your recovery time for that? I'm still recovering, honestly. I, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I think I'm up to like surgeries. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm still recovering as, as we speak. So, but you know, for me, it's given me a different perspective. Like for me, when I wake up in the morning, if I open my eyes and I could see something, it's going to be a good day. So I have a different perspective. I'm, I'm a big gratitude guy. I, I'm a, I know I'm very grateful from everything I have. I'm grateful for my wife, my kids, my house, my vision. So if I wake up in the morning and I can see something, the day's going to be good. That, you know, so for me, it's, it's a, it's a way to, it's always, it's always there. You know, that's why I got to wear these Mr. Magoo glasses to keep so I can so I can able to read. But, you know, I started a podcast when I only had 20 percent vision. What, what is it still at 20 percent or is it improved now? No, I got vision in this eye and I got a little bit in this eye. I think I got to go for a couple more surgeries in this guy and it'll be about 75 percent each eye. Well, I'll take uh... it. Yeah, that's that's a, that's actually amazing. I didn't even know that could happen. Honestly, that's wow. So yeah. So um, you started the podcast. You're at five hundred something. Is that like the only thing you've done since you've been out, or have you? What else are no, you into? I was with GNC for going on thirty years, and then when my then um, I I was getting my eyesight sight back, and then. Uh, I re-injured my eyes, and so right before COVID, so I, I actually I went I was at like sixty percent. I re-injured my eyes. Uh, take guys, do whatever you do. Do not drink six monsters in one sitting. Don't do it. I took I did six monsters in one sitting, and my my action my my blood pressure went so high that my blood vessels popped in my eye. So guys, yeah. don't drink six monsters in one day. So uh, yeah, it's taken me. I got. I did. Like I said one more, two more surgeries. Um, thank God, you know. I, I, like I said, my my wife is so supportive. You know, my kids are are supportive. They help me out. My wife still drives everywhere. You know, unless I have to drive. So, but I, um, and then and then I started the podcast. Right when really got heavy when COVID hit, because I figured I can't work and I'm bored to death, so let me start doing something productive. And and my friends, I, I call them my amigos. Um, they said you got to start doing something. You got you, you can't just be sitting there eating yourself to death. So that's when I really tripled down on the podcast. And um, but then now this is now this is another thing is i had another podcast called called success your why powers your how and i had like 400 episodes and never realized that it was never on on itunes wow and i went to go put all the episodes on and they told me come on you have like 500 hours we're not going to start your podcast on itunes so I had to start a whole podcast fresh from the start. So I had to rebrand re and redo everything from day one. Not one listener, not one guest. I, I know the feeling, unfortunately. 
So I'm, st I'm starting to get there, but yeah, I know the feeling. So, but now we've been all, this one's been on about a year, two, maybe a year and a half. We've had almost 700,000 downloads. Oh, wow. I think 2 million, uh, two, 2 million impressions. So we've had some, has had some fun people, some great guests. So, but it's, it's just, it's a labor of love. <laughs> not going to lie. I mean, I, when I got out, I did not want to do this at all. Um, Trey Carmichael talked me into doing it. Um, done 20 something already in a short amount of time. And I'm actually enjoying this because I think talking to veterans like yourself and other ones, everyone's different. Every, everybody's got a different experience to give what they went through, what they're going through and how they overcame whatever they needed to overcome. And that's really helped me. I think out, I think a lot more than anything else has been going to talk to the VA or a therapist or anything like that. So, cause I, well, I, I didn't like struggle. I started interviewing veterans, and now I've had authors, athletes, actors, millionaires, billionaires come on the show. So now it's just, it's kind of transitioned because now I know that, you know, a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans want to become vetpreneurs. So that's how I transitioned to making a, a vetrepreneur show. So not only do I talk about you know, resiliency uh, vet and veteran stuff. But I also talk about entrepreneur. Like I just had a guy that I just released his episode today. He's generated over $450 million in sales. Whoa. <laughs> so I also, every, every, so if somebody's looking to be an entrepreneur, they can actually go to any one of my shows and talk to someone and listen to somebody that has 20, a guy, a friend of mine has a $20 billion company. They actually wrote the movie Jerry Maguire about him. Wow. <laughs> I need to interview him someday. <laughs> so, but it all boils down to veterans. It all boils down to what does a veteran need to hear if they want to start a company or, or start another mission? Because we have to start to have another mission when we get out or we're not going to make it. No. And I do believe that that is very true. I know, unfortunately, there's a lot my brother-in-law being one of them that has passed didn't had no direction coming out. So drank himself or they kill himself. And so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to start doing this too. talk to veterans that went through. I know some of you have been through a lot more than I have, and I really do appreciate you guys coming on here. It's a new podcast, but, I've never seen so much support from a community before. I didn't even know this was all out there, honestly. I thought we were just kind of left our own vices and do what we do. I guess as a veteran that's kind of just wondering. Yeah, so I love your podcast. I've listened to, you know, whenever I get a chance, you know, I, I'll support whatever you got going on. Because if, if you're Trey's brother, you're my brother. Trey is... He's something else. He's he, he's he's a great guy. I can't believe that he's even let me work with him. But God, the stuff that kid knows, it's like, all right, give me some time. I got six kids at home. I need to learn this too. So I tried to sell one of my kids to him. Apparently, I, he didn't want them. So it's like, here, you're young. You're 25. I, I got six. You can have the girl. My, my one daughter, 
she's the hardest one to deal with anyways. It's always the door. It's always the door. Yeah, I feel bad for my in-laws, but they had to deal with my wife. I hope she doesn't listen to this now. That's so. okay. Nobody's nobody's listening to us anyway. So, <laughs> but uh, you got any advice for veterans that are are any resources you can give veterans uh, that are that might want to reach out or you know how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can actually just go into your toolbar and type in vertical momentum. We're on the first six pages of Google, so anywhere you want to find out. Um, I also, every year, I actually have my own mental health summit called Today I Decide Mental Health Summit. So if you're struggling with any mental health issues, you can always reach out to me, Richard Kaufman. Um, you can message me, text me. I'm op- I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because, I, and I tell everybody, I'd rather hear your bullshit than your eulogy. So if anybody's struggling, you can always reach out to me. And of course, knowing me, I've got seven Article 15s, so there's no way I'm ever going to say anything bad about anybody because I got no room to talk. But I got big shoulders and I got big ears, and I'm always willing to listen. I'm not gonna lie, Richard, I, I really think <laughs> you might be my favorite so far. Oh, uh, so uh, it's just easy to talk to and see somebody that truly did overcome. Oh, shitty life. I mean, no point sugarcoating in a shitty, shitty life, shitty early part of the military, and you made something of yourself, and now you're trying to give back. So, well, you know, the thing I tell everybody is that, you know, anything that's ever happened, because when I read my, my friend Grant Cardone's book, 10X, when I realized that anything that happens to me from the point I read that book, it's all my fault. And once you realize that, Everything in your life from that point on or from this point on, whoever's listening, it's your fault. And if you can realize that everything, it's, it's not may not be your fault what happened to you, but it's your fault and how you react. So if any if anybody out there listening and say, you know what, you know, this happened to me, you know, my, my family, my father, whatever, you know, maybe your mess can now become your message. So whatever happened to you just might have happened for you. I would really wish I really wish more people thought like that instead of just just taking it and rolling over. I really I really do wish people heard more of that than just, you know, put it off somebody else's somebody else's fault. Don't take ownership, you know. Just wow. I like that. I'm going to need you to write that down for me and send it to me. So, And, and that's all from my friend, my mentor, Mr. Ed Milet. He always says, you know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And everything is a teachable moment. So that's how I live my life. No matter what it is, you know, I'll admit I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. I screwed up. I'll do better. Next. <laughs> We all screwed up. I didn't have the best life growing up either. I wasn't on the right path either. The military is what saved my life. So yeah. I don't know where I'd be now if it wasn't for that. And I only joined because I was only going to do – well, I joined a six-year contract. I was so stupid when I joined. Six-year right off the bat contract. and But I stayed in. So over 14 years and, well, I 
I can't wait. I can't wait to get you on the show, brother. <sighs> I don't know. So I got to. I luckily I do have some memory loss from those days due to all the explosions. So I'm hoping I'm have to rethink some things before I do it. So, but <laughs> just like two friends sitting down having a cup of coffee, brother. <laughs> that is true. I, I yeah. I really enjoyed this time, and I'm glad you came on with me. Um, I do look forward to being on your or your podcast. Also, what's your podcast called? Vertical Momentum. All right, I will definitely be on it. Uh, even though you're booked out like 500 years, and neither one of us will be alive at that point, but I guess I'll come down from heaven and be on it. So, and Trey's Trey's been on there a couple of times. We actually did a couple episodes together called Tuesdays with Trey. So mm-hmm. about so. Trey, I love you, brother, and thank you. Me and him been through some rough times together, been there for each other. So, Trey, I love you, brother. Well, this is another episode of the Swandingo Files with Richard Kaufman. He's one tough son of a bitch, so tough. Even a Humvee couldn't fucking kill him. God damn. See y'all later. See y'all next time. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking, and keep Swandingoing.